Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to another episode of Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. If you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to for sure stop by there to check out purplepainforums.com. With that being said, let's get into it. Uh, we got... Well, we've got our first game of the season. They lost by more than one score, uh, and they did it in spectacular fashion. Uh, so yep. That was a blowout. That was we were kind of going back and forth before we started recording. If that was like the first, like really, really bad game of the season, I think there's obviously some poor performances, some letdowns, uh, but that was um, that was done from the start. It never really felt like the Vikings had much of a shot. Now you kind of. I assume if you're anything like myself, you're sitting on your couch or whatever, and you're watching that opening drive with Sean Mannion. You're saying to yourself, all right, like there's, there's a couple of nice plays there. And it's unfortunate that Christian Derisaw had that ineligible man down the field penalty. You kind of, I don't know. Like I, I in one hand you say it's a boneheaded mistake, but then you're like, well, the rookies, you know, the rookie rookie's trying to work his way down the field for an extra block and putting in a ton of effort. How upset can I be about that? And you wonder too about if that, the timing of that play, is a little bit different with Mannion under center than Cousins. Maybe Cousins gets that ball out a touch quicker. If he does, then maybe maybe Derisaw is actually just making a great block down the field. So you kind of feel bad a little bit. But in any case, brought back what was an explosive play. And, uh, man, since that time, there, was, there wasn't too much to write home about when the offense was there. Oh, no, the offense was – it was stagnant. Like, I know Zimmer talked a lot of something at half and after the game about wanting to run more. And, like, I think, in a sense, the run had a little bit of movement, but it just felt like there was nothing that was going to be able to get them. Like, they – I don't know how many first downs they had uh, in the first half, but it was very, very few. Um, and so it was just – the yeah. whole thing was, was poor. And I don't know. Like, I know that there was a lot of chatter about – Mannion versus Mond before he started, but uh, I don't think that either really was going to give a shot to compete against what the Green Bay offense was showing, or sorry, the Green Bay defense was showing. Uh, the Green Bay mm-hmm. offense was was very good, and the defense actually held up, I felt, for for a good portion there. Um, but uh, the it was just there was no way they were going to be able to keep up uh, either offensively or defensively. Well, to Sam's point about and this is Chad Graff. This is over on The Athletic. And uh, he kind of summarized those that opening half, you know, offensive series. Uh, so you had opening drive was five plays, 19 yards. They turned it over on downs. Then it was three plays, seven yards. Three plays, six yards. Three plays, minus four yards. Three plays, minus five yards. So you go five plays, you turn over and downs. Then you have four straight, three and outs, uh, two of which you actually took minus yardage. And then the final series, eight plays, 42 yards, and you get that field goal. Credit to, uh, I was going to say to Dan Bailey, but credit to Greg Joseph for drilling the field goal at the end there. Uh, Our two best players this past game, I would argue, were our kicker and our punter. I thought both did really well in it's outside, it's frigid, and these dudes did a really nice job. So give those two credit. Otherwise, not too many Vikings played well. And I agree that 
Kellen Mond probably couldn't have done much better. I think fans would have been enthused about Kellen Mond being in the game. Um, you know, I wrote about this on Purple PTSD, saying that Cal- starting Kellen Mond would have been a mistake. And I know Josh Fry, um, he wrote a piece following up on it, saying, you know, why not start Kellen Mond? And so there's certainly an argument to be made on either side. Uh, I kind of lean towards... There's a sense that sometimes you don't want to throw your young guy to the wolves, right? You potentially ruin his confidence, potentially get him hurt, et cetera, et cetera. And so to me, you're playing the best team in the conference. You're on the road. It's prime time. It's friggin' cold as could be. You're missing some offensive lineman starters. You're missing Adam Thielen, right? And you're, you're just, you're basically putting the kid in an impossible situation. And so if the plan is still for him going forward to be a key part of this QB rotation, then you could make a case that, you know what, uh, it's best to kind of protect him in a sense, especially if the coaches genuinely do believe Sean Mannion is better at this precise moment. It's not who is more athletic, who will be better, but at this precise moment, who is better. And it seems that they believe it's Sean Mannion for one reason or another. Obviously, the flip side of that is that Sean Mannion has always been awful, frankly, when, when he gets on the field. He's good he would be the perfect, perfect QB three. Cause he seems like he's a studious guy shows up to work, puts in a ton of effort, really, really smart. You kind of don't want him to play. Right. But you do want him there to help break things down with your starter. Right. And so it kind of seems like Sean Manuel would be the perfect third quarterback. Unfortunately, he's the second quarterback for the Vikings since, you know, we see how that turned out. He did get his first career touchdown pass yesterday. Uh, but by that, you know, by that point, the game was long gone. Uh, so I, I don't know when you, a lot of the debate leading up to the game was Mannion versus Mond. And then Mond came into the game, actually towards the end, he went three and out and then Mannion came back in. Turns out there was some sort of hand injury or something like that. I mean, were you, I mean, I was just friggin' bored. So I wanted to see Kellen Mond just to see what the kid could do. But do you think Mond should have gotten the start? No, no. Like the whole thing with Mond, like from the start, it was the draft pick was a development pick. Yeah. And like, yeah. I know people are like, well, it's been however many months. Uh, like you've had, you've had basically the whole season, uh, the last four months, plus everything before that to develop. But like, like it's really not a lot of time. And like you said, like maybe if it was against Jacksonville, you're like, okay, sure. Like yeah. throw the kid out and, and check it yeah. out. But like after watching that Green Bay defense, I can't think of a fan that would have said, yeah, yeah, no, that that Green Bay defense would have been like a really good like starting experience for like a, a raw young quarterback. Like, I, I don't, I really don't get it. Um, I understand like the the hope for upside is certainly exactly. higher with Mond. Yeah. Um, but you like, you're also making a decision for the game, but also for your organization's future. And exactly. with uh, like whatever 3% chance of everything working out, um, by the time the game started last night of them actually making the playoffs, uh, I, I don't think it's worth it to, to roll out there and, and, and mm-hmm. try to put this young guy in a position that ultimately um, was pretty certain for failure. Now, the counterpoint to that is, because I, I, Sam, Sam and I both agree in that you don't want your kid to be shell-shocked, right? And that's kind of where we're coming at it from, especially since you, know, you have this long-term perspective with Mond really from day one. But the, I guess the, the counterpoint in a lot of ways is one, you know, the offense is probably a little more dynamic with Mond in there. You can probably do some different things because he's moved so well. But then two is that 
you know, some sometimes guys surprise you. Like some, sometimes guys are gamers and sometimes uh, teammates rally around someone who's a little more dynamic, has a higher ceiling. You know, that, that, that's possible, I suppose. But I happen to agree that I, I don't think we should have started Mont. Um, now, at that point in the fourth quarter, when the game's basically done, and you basically got a lot of backups going both ways, then I said, well, I, I was thinking, it was like, okay, this, this is the right move. You know, fourth quarter, let's give Mont a couple series and, you know, just see, right? And, and then at least you have a couple snaps on film. But anyhow, that, that wasn't Zim's perspective. And uh, he doesn't get mine very often. No, no, no. It, it like, I, like, like you, by the time the fourth corner came around, I was like, if I have to watch this game, I want to watch something different than what we've seen so far. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I was all for Mon going in. I, am, I, I think it almost like taints the fact that he went in with the fact that it was because of Mannion's cramping or um, the issues that he was experiencing. Like, I was like, oh, like, no, it actually wasn't like just to give the kid a shot. It was just because like it was out of necessity. Um, yep. But again, I just, I think it was the right decision. And Mannion wasn't necessarily bad, but there just, there was, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be good enough for them yep. to have done anything last night. And it was like, it was a boring game. Like, uh, before Bradbury's catch, the highlight was Greg Joseph's uh, <laughs> yeah. field goal, the, the longest in, in Lambeau in, in history. Um, and like he, it was a great, he like to 51 yards in the the weather that was there. Like he, like it took everything to get it there. Um, I believe it's in January. In January. Sorry, did I not say January? Yeah, you said Lambeau history. Oh, sorry. I, I, I Specific, spoke, specifically the month of January. Specifically January. Yes. No, I, yeah. I knew that didn't say it. So good um this is this is why we have partners here um yeah, right but uh yeah a game was uh game was very lacking of of any highlights outside of the field goal bradbury's catch and osborne had a, a couple of good catches at the end of the game osborne did really nice yeah i mean it was too little too late there's playing soft coverage but yeah overall i i think you kind of don't you kind of don't blame sean Mannion in some ways because he is who he is at this stage this is his seventh year in the nfl He's never thrown a touchdown pass. He's been a career backup, right? And like in reality, he's a QB three, right? And that, that's fine. Like, I'm not criticizing that. Man, that's more than I could say. You know, you collect a million bucks a year being a QB three because you're super smart. I think that's incredible. What a great job. But like on the field, you kind of know who he is and he's not going to elevate a team. And so it's disappointing that, you know, Sean Mannion finished with more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook. Oh, no. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So, Sean Mannion finished with, I believe, 14 rushing yards. Dalvin Cook finished with 13. Alexander Madison didn't receive a carry. And so I know Zim is going to get criticized, and he does get criticized for saying, you know, we should have run the ball more. But in some ways, you kind of feel like you have to agree in the sense that being at third and 10 or third and nine with Sean Mannion is not where you want to be. Being at third and one or third and two makes some sense. It seemed like the offense all around him needed to elevate like the, the offensive line actually had to be very very dominant which we didn't really expect but that's what would have needed to happen right is to kind of just gash them on the ground explosive dynamic dalvin cook and then some easy completions right he seemed to lock on his tyler conklin minion gets happy feet you know when the when the uh the pass rush starts to kind of crowd in around him he's just he's not a great nfl quarterback right and so he kind of needed these other parts to make it easy for him and they didn't and, and so we predictably had this totally uninspiring offense. And you kind of feel a little bit bad for Clint Kubiak 
Not that he called a good game. He called a poor game. And I think he's been overmatched overall this season, even though I think he's improved. But um, you get to the end and you look at that box score and you see Sean Mannion was your leading rusher. You say, yikes, this is, this is an issue. This is an issue. Oh, 100%. I, I, I'm shocked. Like, I remember the Mannion uh, scramble that he had in, in that. But, like, that's what did it. The, the QB sneak and the, sh- and the scramble. Like, for a game like it was, um, and I don't know how many touches Delvin Cook had, but like, he absolutely, like, it, you he know, t- touches or carries overall, because oh, yes. he, he touched the ball 12 times and in 12 touches he has 13 yards overall because he has three catches for zero yards and nine carries for 13 yards. Yeah. So not no, not obviously, obviously like, but they don't have the ball in enough both cate- to... in both categories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, it's not enough, but they didn't have the ball enough to like give him the touches. Uh, like when you're going three and out, it's hard to like actually rack up any kind of subs- like um, substantial numbers. But part of Zim's argument is that, like, when you try a pass or when you try something on that first down and it fails, you go backwards, you know, the screen pass doesn't work, or you or Mannion gets sacked, and now it's second and 15, second and 16. Now you feel like you can't run the ball, right? Because then it's like if it's a ho hum run, which it has been from you know the game, then you're facing third and 13. And so, Zim, I think Zim's perspective is like, let's do this on first down and, um, you know, try and find a creative way to get the ball into his hands on the first down and, and try and get it to second and six or, to, you know, second and two or whatever the case may be and make this give Sean Mayne some breathing room, right? Like make it easy for this guy, um, which is a per- perspective I understand. I don't understand a lot of things about yesterday, but I'll, I'll leave that there for now. Now, yeah. Sean Mannion was your leading rusher yesterday. Yeah, yeah. No, it uh, sums up a lot of just what was a, a very poor performance. And so... I think that we'll switch over here to second down here and um, maybe just kick off. It it feels very much, we got a game left against uh, Chicago, but it feels very much like this is like, we're already start talking about the off season, start talking about some changes. And so I know we've talked a lot about uh, Zimmer and less about Spielman, but, but really um, won't talk too much about it. But I guess one of the questions I have for you for this week is do you think anything changes between now and playing Chicago? You know, before this game, I said that Zim would be fired if uh, they went out and, you know, had a clunker of a game against Green Bay. And what I think actually might save him, ironically enough, in a sense, or save his job for another week, is that Kirk Cousins went out for COVID or because of COVID. And so in that sense, no one really expects you to win that, right? Like, um, you know, how, you know, how could the Vikings compete in, in, in that kind of situation? Obviously they couldn't, even with cousins, though, I, I don't think they win this game, but I think if you go out with cousins, your QB ones out there in a clutch must win game. And it's instead of 37 to 10, maybe it's 37 to 17, 37 to 21, perhaps, because maybe you get some garbage time scores. Like I don't think the Vikings would have won this game. I, I still feel quite confident the Packers would have won, um, which obviously you hate to say, but, Packers right now are a better team and I think that's just a basic fact about the world so I would I wouldn't have been surprised in fact I I thought there would have been a coaching change because the one thing I kind of think is that so you have this two-week rule now right we talked about that last week where you can if the Vikings 
um, move on for their head coach, if Chicago Bears, if whoever moves on for their head coach, you can start interviewing candidates, right? And I know that some have declined interviews in the season because they want to finish out the year before they, you know, get to these interviews. And I understand that and I respect it in a lot of ways. You feel like you're committed to your current job and you want to at least wait till kind of the normal time to interview. Um, but you kind of wonder if, if one domino falls, because right now it's just the Jaguars who are interviewing candidates, right? So you got one team. In some ways, it's desirable insofar as you have Trevor Lawrence. In other ways, it's not a desirable job insofar as it's Jacksonville. Uh, but you just have one team interviewing candidates right now. So things are moving pretty slowly. But you kind of wonder if there was another team or two that fired their head coach, you wonder if that causes a bit of a feeding frenzy in, in the sense that now you have legit direct competition for some of these candidates. And now maybe you feel compelled to make a move yourself so that you don't miss out. And so I did wonder, um, even with the cousin stuff, if you had seen, I don't know, some sort of shakeup in Chicago, which it's not really their style. Uh, but if, if that would prompt Minnesota to do something in that you don't want to fall behind the sticks, right. In, in terms of this coaching search. But uh, I think to Sam's broader point, I do think Zim will be fired after this season or, or they'll give him the ability to step down perhaps. Um, but to Sam's broader point, it's pretty clear this team needs a major shakeup, right. And the one that goes beyond just the head coach, even though that that's a big deal, right. Because Zim has been given a lot of autonomy in terms of being able to shape this roster and being able to shape the overall vision, which is good. Like you want, if you don't trust your head coach to be able to do that, you shouldn't hire the guy in the first place, right? Like if you can't actually trust this dude to lead you guys and then forget it, don't hire somebody else, right? Like hire somebody you can actually be confident in. So it's, it's not necessarily an issue that with them giving Zim that autonomy and the ability to set that course for the team, that's fine. And that's a healthy thing to do, but it's clear that there needs to be a new vision and a new direction for the team. Uh, but even beyond that, and maybe because of that, you have a roster shuffle. I, I happen to believe that Rick Spielman will still be uh, the sheriff in town following the season. I don't, do you see that differently? Do you think Spielman has to go or do you think he gets a chance to kind of get this right with another head coach? Yeah, like I feel like I, I, both Zimmer and Spielman, I think, are good play, like good, um, good head coach and, and GM uh, respectively. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Zimmer just the it feels like the time has come. Like it feels like that's like a ninety five percent. Like he's he's gone. Kind of like needs to go. Um, yes. And like who knows? You may not get someone better. But it's also like I think I don't think fans are going to look back at the end of this. Like looking back, unless they forget how they feel right now and feel like oh it was a mistake to let him go. I think Spielman is a little yeah. more like yeah. You know what? If they decide that things need to change and like there is a lot of shuffle and that happens both with the like the team on the field as well as the front office I can see that being an argument um I also am hesitant about the whole perspective of like making a change for the sake of making a change Um, yes and so I I don't think that Spielman's done a a poor job um so I, I think it's much more likely that he stays um one of the questions I guess I have for you when we look about look at the shuffling that could happen with the team on the field um i know that you really like Kirk cousins and and i do too i think he's a great quarterback um i guess my question is after this week seeing both what happened um with him having to be out uh testing positive um and with what you saw on the field 
do you feel and and also considering what his contract's going to be next year after this week do you feel better or worse about the idea of keeping cousins considering all those factors i currently feel worse but maybe that's just because i have a case the mondays you know coming off that late game where things were brutal and then we wake up my shepherd husky mix was puking all over the carpet so it's been uh, a monday morning and it's like minus 20 here in Canada. So, you know, there, there's been various factors that have kind of maybe led to this somewhat crusty mood, but I kind of feel worse right now about Cousins. You know, you think about, he made comments beginning of the season, not quite a year ago, but beginning of the season saying he wasn't super inclined to redo his deal again. Now you wonder what that means this off season in terms of, uh, you know, if it's an extension that guarantees more money in the future, perhaps he does it, you know, money talks, right? Um, but next year at 45 million, that's a difficult contract, right? Like your your uh your salary cap, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is 208.2. So 45 million, you're not at 25%, but you're pretty damn close. You know, you're you know, uh you're you're getting pretty close to 25%. You're probably hovering around 20-ish percent. Does Kirk Cousins really provide 20% value in terms of your wins? In terms of like, does he, because when you take money like that, I, I can make sense of to a certain extent 31 million for Kirk Cousins or 33 or whatever it is that he's at right now. I think it's 31. But in any case, 45 million, when you take that money, when you have that salary, in essence, what you're saying is, I'm not just a good quarterback, I'm not just a borderline top 10 quarterback. At my best, I'm maybe six or seven in the league. At my worst, I'm probably 14, 15. You're saying I'm a elite quarterback. Like, I, I will make up for these deficiencies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's 15 extra million here than there maybe ought to be. And that's fine. You know, you, you don't have that premier offensive guard. That's fine because I'm so good I can make up for it. You don't have the option to get that really solid, you know, WR3, that next receiver. That's fine because I'm good enough to make up for those deficiencies. Your, your second cornerback spot is pretty leaky. That's okay, because I put a lot of points on the board, right? So I think with that money, uh, when you start kind of understanding like that, and you really can't separate, some fans will say like, well, it's not Cousins' fault that uh, he said yes to that contract, you know, blame it on the, but it, you know, it kind of is, right? Like he- heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? As, as our friend Bill Shakespeare says. So if, if he wants to wear that crown, the $45 million a year crown, then his head's going to be pretty heavy, right? You have to shoulder that burden, right? As, as uh, Bill told us centuries ago. And there's a reason why Tom Brady, you know, consistently took less than market value, right? Uh, so there's a, at 45 million, there's a pretty steep discrepancy between uh, the financial value and, and the actual value he provides you on field. And I think that's really concerning for the Vikings going forward. Yeah. Like, I, I guess the, the part of the larger question is like, what is this team hoping to do next year? Cause it doesn't seem like they're super inclined to go full rebuild or like kind of yeah. really like tank. Um, and I guess that's fair in a sense. Although like, I don't, I don't know. I like the, the idea of going seven and 10 or eight and nine and missing the playoffs isn't super appealing. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think I tend to agree. Like, um, it's, it's a lot of money. I guess it depends on like what you're able to get. Like, I know there's been different reports and 
rumors about what you can get, but if you can get a first round pick for him uh, and yep. lose that, like take that, that 45 million cap hit, like if they trade him, what's, what's left? Like what is 10 million, what, 10 million. The, so the, they clear. Yeah. So they, they clear 35 million, which is obviously significant. And for what Sam's saying there to give credit to what Sam's saying, because some people will balk at the first round and say first round for that. But keep in mind, the, the team who takes him on is only a 35 million cap hit. And then if they feel like they want to extend him, you know, then that obviously adds some value. And I believe it's Brad Spielberger from PFF. He's a financial dude over PFF. He suggested uh, a first and a second round pick for Cousins. So that, that gives credit to what Sam's saying. Yeah. So, and I, like, I'm saying that because I'm not like, I wasn't pulling out of, um, out of thin air. Like I've seen a couple reports and obviously I said like they're rumors. I'm saying like, if, if it is true and a team comes, I, I know there's different teams that have been rumored Philadelphia and, and uh, Pittsburgh and whoever may be, if a team comes and says, I'll, well, they'll offer a first round pick. I think that that's certainly, um, certainly an offer worth taking. I guess the thing that I recognize is that if you trade Kirk Cousins, I think it is almost next to impossible that you are going to replace him with someone that is going to be better next year. That's that true. Sense. Because of but, like, yeah. who's available trade-wise and who's yeah. available free agency-wise. But yes, that's does true. it make the team better? And obviously, exactly. a quarterback, a quarterback exactly. is the most important position on the yep. team. And so it's hard yep. to think about that but like a little bit of the addition by subtraction um yep. where you're taking away that money um the, the the problem i guess is that whenever you put a lot of money into a gm's hands like i think spielman's a smart guy but you have the ability to spend that money really well or really poorly and sometimes i think that decisions are yep. made when you're tied to get, better decisions are made when you're tied against the cap because you have to be very strategic in how you spend your money and yep. then when you're given a bunch of money who knows what happens but again like I, at this point, it feels like you got to kind of try a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Um, yep. In some ways, or like think about trying some stuff. Like obviously, not making rash decisions, but but I think at this point, the fans, large part, would be okay with trading anyone outside of maybe um, Jefferson and, yeah. and and like yep. I don't know who else. Like obviously, you got sentimental people. Like you, you Thielen's a, a great person. You get Smith uh hunter like I, I just it feels at this point like you'd be okay with kind of trading everyone or anyone depending on the value that you're able to get back there are very few untouchables on the roster which i think i think is true i mean i think not that I, so I, i'm of the opinion there should never be there's no such thing as an untouchable player right um you know matthew barry the fantasy guy over at espn tells a story about this guy who had this like classic car that he restored, he loved it. Like it was like his pride and joy. But every year he put it on a corner lot, said for sale, and just waited to hear the offers. Not because he actually wanted to get rid of it, he loved it. But if someone, you know, kind of strolled in there and put enough zeros on the end of that check and was just to the point where it was foolish, then why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't you trade it? And you just go out and buy the same car again and restore it. And so I, in many ways, I, I, that's the way I feel. If, if, you know, if someone really comes in and blows the doors off, then fine. And, 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 your, and your policy ought to be that there's no such thing as untouchable. But if you want to get Justin Jefferson, you're going to have to overpay to such a, a degree, like, you know, just basically dramatic. Right. But I in that sense, they're, they're kind of already in a sense untouchable because no one's probably going to you know give you multiple firsts and, you know, whatever, whatever it would cost to get Jefferson. 
But I think you'd probably say, you know, Christian Derrissaw, Brian O'Neill, Justin Jefferson. These, these are some guys you'd probably say, you know what, they're not going anywhere, right? Because they're, they're foundational to the team going forward. But uh, that new coach has that new vision. And then what does that therefore mean? And Sam is a good point in the sense that a head coach, a GM, it's not their job to have the best quarterback. That is not their primary goal. Having a good quarterback is just a means to an end. The primary job is to have a good team, a winning team, right? And so if the current quarterback and his cap number prohibits you from doing that, fulfilling the vision that you believe will do that, well, then you ought to seriously consider moving on for him or do or restructuring the contract or whatever the case may be because uh, Kirk Cousins is merely a means to an end. If he was the top quarterback in the league, clearly, but his cap made it such that the team actually just kept losing and losing and losing, then forget it. It, it basically brings you no value at all. So it'll be interesting to see. Kirk Cousins feels like a major domino. I mean, the first domino to fall, I think, is, is the head coaching domino because then this now sets the vision right that who who was the leader who was gonna kind of take you in the battle into the offseason into next year and then from there you kind of look at that big domino on the roster and that's mr kirk cousins and then after that it's you know is it garrett bradbury right is it michael pierce and his 12 million dollar cap it next year they say the best ability is availability well he hasn't really been available right and you 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 kind of wonder about several of these players adam thielen eric hendricks etc etc uh the team needs a major, major shakeup. Uh, obviously, what do you do with Neil Hunter? Still young, still has elite ability, but has a big cap number next year. You know, what do you, what do, you do with this guy? Uh, it's, it's tough to know. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we can transition. Uh, yeah. But I guess one of the questions I'd, I'll just leave you with is, would you be okay with absolutely like clearing a ton of cap space next year and having like a bad season uh and then maybe just kind of re-going for it in in 2023 as a fan like would you be okay with just kind of like kind of trading stuff create create a bunch of cap space be able to carry that over uh and Mm -hmm. and going for it the the following year yes as long as it's purposeful and strategic because again cap space is just a means to an end it's just unrealized potential so as long as it actually develops into something i say go for it Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, I'm sure we'll revisit this later. Um, oh yeah. Sure. But we'll, uh, in wrapping up here, we'll just do a quick prediction. I know that at this point, mm-hmm. really, we not prediction, I guess, um, a cheering guide, because at this point mm-hmm. we still don't know what the playoffs are going to look like. There's still some matchups to be decided in this final week. And um, in some ways you get to be a little bit of a fan without any heartbreak. So uh, celebrate that tiny victories uh with with this loss that's right um that's right. we don't have to calculate all the the circumstances of what would allow for the vikings to make the playoffs if this and this and this happen um it's done so now we get to look a little bit at the playoff picture and obviously there are still a couple positions in each uh division to be decided but we do know 10 teams that are going to make the playoffs is that right i, f- I feel like there's I think there's five five in each conference that have clinched and we're waiting on on the final two um no, i don't actually know it's uh it's 14 this year because you have seven seven right so that's so five in each conference and then you get two in each um division that are still up for grabs um one it yeah. seems plausible enough i don't actually know but it seems plausible you know what it's there. uh i think there's six clinched in uh in the nfc yeah Maybe Regardless, six, six. In any case, the vast majority are there. 
yeah. the vast majority of that. So what we what I want to do is, and what we want to do is is figure out who are you cheering for. Maybe uh, keep it to at maximum two, uh, but maybe you want to cheer for for one in each conference. Um, who mm-hmm. who who are you feeling like you, you you're hoping that they they can win? In the NFC, and this is a horrible answer. I don't actually have a team. I just have whoever will beat the Packers. I don't care who it is. Just go beat the Packers, and I will be a very happy person, right? So that's that's the, my NFC cheering guide. For the AFC, uh, I like the Titans. They're sitting at the top of the conference, but I'll, either the Chargers or the Colts. I like Kirby over, over in, um, I was going to say San Diego, but now they're not in San Diego. Uh, the Chargers and the Colts. I, I like how the Colts with Frank Reich, man, he's a good coach, right? You're just getting that team to kind of sc- scrape and claw. I don't think Carson Wentz is actually the answer here. I don't know if he'll actually get them too far. So then I'll say the Chargers then. I'll, I'll say the Chargers are my horse. I'm picking them to hopefully pull up some upsets and, and make some noise. Okay, fair enough. Well, it's funny because like I, I said I need to limit it to two, but I like – there's so many teams I'd love to see do well uh, <laughs> in both. So there's more restriction on me than you. Um, yeah, right. In the NFC, I would really love to see um, Arizona do something. <laughs> don't, don't you dare say Green Bay. <laughs> I w- am really cheering for Green Bay. I love Aaron yeah. Rodgers. It's the, the cat's out of the bag. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I, I ever since watching Arizona play the Vikings, I've just felt like, that is a team that I'd really like to watch. Kyler Murray can be a little uh, erratic at times and uh, can turn the ball over, but he's dynamic. And that, that defense uh, was, is a lot of fun to watch too. So I, like, I'm not saying that they're, again, this is, this is, we get to be a fan. We're not cheering for exactly. the most plausible team, uh, but Arizona is my, is my team in the NFC uh, in the AFC. It, there's so many, like love to see Buffalo do well. It'd be kind of fun to see new England, uh, yeah. Well, but like they're they're not there um if i have to choose and i like your pick on on the colts if i have to choose a team though i think i'm going cincinnati uh and really wow. watching that team play <laughs> against kansas city yesterday was a ton of fun and obviously like uh i don't know if you watched the the end of the game there but i know burrows uh was limping off the field and so if he's injured that is uh that is just going to be killer but mm-hmm. I would love to see Cincinnati do something. Yep. Watch. I, I always enjoy watching these young quarterbacks uh, go yep. out and um, watching Burroughs come back, especially after the, the injury he had last season. Um, it would be a lot of fun. So, like, again, I, there's about four or five teams that I'd be glad to see do well in the AFC. Um, but uh, choosing one at this point, I would love to see Cincinnati go on a run. All right. Cincinnati and uh, and the cards. I got anti-Packers and the Chargers. Yeah. All right, right on. Yeah, fair enough. It uh, is there any part of you that just is kind of fascinated to see Philadelphia in the NFC, like as the underdog? I am. I am fascinated to see because Jalen Hurts is pretty fun. And um, is it Nick Sirianni? Is that their head coach? Uh, anyhow, yeah, I, I am kind of fascinated to see how the Eagles do. Yeah. Just trying to trying to choose a team for you there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> nice leading question. Yeah, that's got not uh, not a whole lot of ties. So we'll uh, after after next week when we have a clearer picture, we can maybe do a little bit more of a playoff prediction like we had last year. Where uh, for for new listeners, I guessed 
um, the finals rate. Um, so if you want to win some money, come back, uh, check it out. Um, but we'll, we won't we'll bring go. up the Stanley cup finals. Yeah, that's true. You, you guessed yeah. that right. Didn't you? I did. Yeah. You know what? You come back and, and there's a chance that we're, this is why it was like, we, we got 50% intelligence here. So together we'll, uh, exactly. together, maybe we'll, we'll have a good thought. Um, yep. You can't, you don't know who it is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Money. but, yeah. uh, yeah. Anyways. Let's talk a little bit about Minnesota Wild. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. a little bit of a little bit of a, a slide here. They've lost their last five. Um, right now, they're third in their division. If you go both by points and point percentage, um, so it's they're sliding a little bit. But this happens in the season. Um, I know we talked last episode about watching some of these guys at the World Juniors uh, that quickly fell as the tournament got canceled, which is super disappointing. But yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of the nature of, of the world that we're living in right now. Um, but other than that, did you see any clips of the world or of the uh, winter classic and the outdoor game? No. Yeah. I, I didn't watch any of the winter classic. All I know or the impression I have is that it was extremely cold. Yeah. Like freezing, like coldest, like there was a game in Edmonton. Uh, one of the first games they did outdoors uh, several years ago and it was freezing mm-hmm. in Edmonton. And this was, this was colder than that yeah and like there's the, the great image of uh caprizov trying to get some water at the end of the period and the the bottle was frozen uh <laughs> yeah, there's, sure. there's no water that yeah. came out um, yeah. so a, a lot of fun it was a poor performance like the st louis just dominated them especially for the first two periods but you know what it's a it is a lot of fun and i think that at one point the nhl was doing so many of these outdoor games that it was almost becoming a little bit much um, but I, I do think that there's still a lot of magic to having these games. Uh, yes. and like I, for me, I was, I was flipping back and forth between that and the leaf game, uh, and was quite interested to, to see just the dynamics of, of an outdoor game and just seeing it. Um, it's fresh, it's, it's fun, it's creative. And especially with factors like the cold, uh, it makes it yep. enjoyable to watch. Yep. Yeah. When you do it right, it's so charming. If you overdo it. It kind of loses the luster, but when you do it right and you have the, just the right amount, it's a pretty fun, charming way to play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always cool to see what they do. Like this year, they had like these eight little rinks uh, yeah. by the, by the big rink. And some people were skating on that even during the game, but uh, mm. yeah, it's, it is, it is really cool to watch. And I know from yeah. myself, I love playing hockey outdoors and, and mm-hmm. going to these rinks. And I think that the players always talk about those experiences for them as a child. And so I think that yep. it is, uh, it is a special, special time and would have been nice to have a better result, uh, but still, yeah. still a fun, yeah. fun, uh, fun event for these guys. So uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Uh, Kyle, where can listeners find your, your writing? All right. These days is mainly on purpleptsd.com. You can hop over there if you want to check out uh, some of the written content that we're, we're getting out, both mine as well as other people's. And so by all means, um, yeah, by all means, feel free to stop by. Otherwise, keep swinging by the podcast. Appreciate uh, the support that we're getting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Always thankful to have people listening and, and would love to also hear comments, uh, questions, concerns, complaints about Kyle. Um, <laughs> that's right that's no, right um, no we, we'd love to hear anything and everything uh, so with our thanks to Purple Pain Forums and TPPN have a great week everyone <laughs>